Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. Your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And yet a third co-host, Colton Watson. By the way, I want to congratulate y'all. Four? 36 minutes on a show with multiple hosts has to be a record that y'all broke last week. We've we've gotten better recent in recent weeks about flying through these shows. Uh, it's going to be a challenge to pull that off though with three of us speaking and a lot to talk about today. Um, but you know that's all the more reason for us to get right into it. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about with women's basketball, men's basketball, kind of the same stuff. Dan wants to talk tennis again, so let's get right into the show. Mississippi State women's basketball uh, goes down to Gainesville and gets an important victory, a quad one road win over the Florida Gators, eighty nine to seventy seven. A game that was very back and forth. State held a four-point lead at uh, the half. Florida had cut it down to a two-point game going into the fourth quarter, but State's able to pull away there in the fourth. Kind of a game, I know Colton was tweeting about this on the account throughout. A lot of runs, ups and downs, where it felt like State had all the chances in the world to just completely take control and put it away, and they weren't quite doing it until they ultimately did and are able to get the victory. Colton, you you had the closest eyes on this game. Uh, what what are your big takeaways? Yeah, so you've had this whole thing all season long where you'll have flaming hot quarters followed by really cold stretches, and this was kind of you had many versions of that. Every single quarter you started hot, and then every single quarter you finished cold until the last one. Um, which if you're not, I mean, hey. If you're going to finish cold three out, of, three out of four quarters, let's make that odd one out the fourth. But still would have liked to see a little bit more consistency, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of that is because, give Florida credit, they're well coached. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and not and lie about that girl's name because she deserves she deserves her uh, her due. Well, as you're looking that up, you, you talk like, about getting off to a hot start. Like, it was like an 8 nothing game. And that kind of feels like the theme with the women's team this year is they start games incredibly well. Uh, like Arkansas, they were killing the Hogs early. And I know Arkansas was missing a million threes. But like they get off to really good starts to games, and it's just like the back half of quarters do not tend to go well for them. Well, and then well with Vanderbilt, it was opposite. It was a poor start. You just have stretches. It's inconsistent. You had a poor start, and then the second quarter, you were phenomenal. And then you let them come back. It, it It's very odd how this is working out. For, for Mississippi State, and I don't know if all of it is due to some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, but tonight as we're recording, there there are some inconsistencies. But Florida, you know, going back to part of the reason that Florida was able to stay in the fight was Kelly Ray Finley. Kelly Ray Finley is a good coach. She's a good young coach, uh, much like Sam Purcell, um, except probably I think she's even younger. I swear she looks like she's my age. Uh and she's doing a good job. And they ha- and the other thing is that Florida has scores. So those two things, uh, Correa for Florida is a legitimate SEC player of the year candidate if she's on, like, a better team. Not that Florida's bad. They're just middle pack. Um, I'll say that. I guess they're one and four now. But Florida definitely has some pieces. And, I mean, obviously, Aliyah Matharu, who we're all familiar with, uh, was on that team and she was a bucket when she was here and she's a bucket over there. She was a bucket at Texas. As far as I know, I didn't watch a ton of big shapers games once he left, but so it's not like you're play out there playing, you know, East Tennessee state or something and letting them hang around. That said though, you did, like you said, you had multiple chances to step in the throat and put it away and you couldn't do it. Um, 
And we talked about, we've already been over how Florida was able to punch back. Part of the reason for Mississippi State's woes allowing Florida to get off the mat. Um, I think the rotations are tough. I think uh, the second unit probably didn't have a great game. Uh, Nagoni has been out for a while and she was back. I think what we used her for, uh, bothering people on inbounds and playing defense, she did well. Kind of like specialty package. You just sub her in at a very specific time if you have – uh, an out-of-bounds play for Florida. You could just put her in and then get her out when you need to. For what her role was, I think she did well. But other than that, um, Darion Rogers played well off the bench. Miracle Shepard was okay off the bench. The rest of the bench was just kind of very bleh. Um, usual suspects, though, fantastic. Debrisha Poe, Jessica Carter, Jerkalia uh, Jordan, and Lauren Park Lane all had some really fantastic moments. So it was good for them to be – for for your usual suspects, but you kind of are worried about depth uh, for the most part. Now, we can't argue much about um, the results. So you get a 12-point win on the road. It's a quad one win. I, I don't – I haven't sh- I checked the net today for other reasons in the women's game, but I don't know if that's locked in to stay a quad one win throughout the year or not, but it was a good win. And if you look at this Mississippi State team now, you've – my computer is absolutely having a panic attack. I have the women's net up, by the way, and women's bracketology, just whenever you want to get to that. Well, you can – I was just going to – I was pulling up our schedule just talking about how your losses right now, that Vanderbilt loss, of course, it, it sticks out because Vanderbilt – now Vanderbilt has, has really built a reputation for themselves. At that point, we weren't sure what Vanderbilt was. Um, But your losses, number one, South Carolina, Tennessee, probably the most frustrating out of there, but – you know, at Miami or against a top ten Miami team, and at Chattanooga, who's still top sixty in the net. Last I checked, uh, without your two best two best post players and probably arguably your best player, you're you'll take that all day um, with the schedule. I think it does ease up down the stretch. Uh, let's see. Let's looking ahead here. You you got LSU, and then after that, there's not a, a game where you just look at it and be. Mm. You have Florida again in your own gym. So I think it's going to lighten up for the women. I think that they can, can can push ahead and get a good full head of steam. Trying to find our uh, the box score for this game so I can pull up. and I, w- I don't want to lie to you all about the women's stats. I know Jessica Carter, I believe, was like 18 and 15. Jaquelia Jordan was had 21 and 12. Uh, Lauren Parker Lane had 12 points, a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. Debrisha Poe. 13 points. I thought she had more than that, honestly. A couple of rebounds. And then Darion Rodgers had 11. Everybody that I just mentioned had moments where they, I mean, Jessica Carter and Jordan, uh, Jacoby Jordan probably the whole time, but Lauren Park Lane down the stretch, she scored the last few buckets of the game all by herself, just doing what needs to be done, bleeding the clock, getting to the lane, taking layups, and either making them, getting fouled, or getting a chance for, like, the first one she took, Carter got a rebound and put it right back. Just that was exactly the type of veteran stuff you need to salt a game away that had been a little bit of a back-and-forth struggle where Florida was able to have these resurgences. Lauren Park Lane put that away at the end. And I talked about how the bench was kind of giving you trouble. Uh, in the fourth quarter, down the stretch, you know, late in these quarters, you're getting some subs in, not in the fourth. You stuck with the starters. You stuck with what worked. And it worked out for you. Jessica Carter says here she had 20. I thought she had 18 and 15. That means I tweeted that wrong. She had 20 and 15. Just phenomenal. 
and then Ja'Karia Jordan with 21 and 12. Both of them were really, really good throughout. Quietly good. You don't even realize, you know, she shoots three uh, three for six from the field, five for six from the free throw line was Debrisha Poe. And then Darion Rogers, you know, I've got to, I'm going to have to just learn when she puts up a shot to just trust it because she'll shoot a shot that I, I don't think anybody on the team is any business shooting. And about the time I think that, uh, it's coming out the bottom of the net. It might not even touch the net. It's going through so straight. Like she, she feathers it. So good job for all, uh, for those people. You really, those people. Good job for your starters and, and then Rogers. Some of your other players, you know, Montague only had a couple minutes in this game, didn't give you much. Uh, Brown Haggard, four minutes in the game, didn't give you much. Um, you want to see a little bit better play from them. When they were playing, I, I wouldn't I don't they don't have a plus minus. They don't keep up with it in college very much, but I don't think it would have been great. Uh you talked about the women's net ranking. So right now they are currently 33rd in the net. Interesting today. There was a bracketology update from Charlie Cream. Um he dropped state a lot after this win down to the last four in. Now they're at the top of the last four in. So I mean they're kind of like in that range where you could be, you know, just in the field. But dropped them down quite a bit, which is a little weird. I think that he had them as like a nine seed and all the way down to an eleven Almost seed like now. He got new information or something. That's weird to happen. That's not if it was like the fifth game of the season, that'd be one thing, but to happen about halfway through the season is weird. Yeah, like that big of a and look, here's the thing, because I'm scrolling through the net rankings looking at some of the opponents stated play. Um Outside of South Carolina, State's highest net opponent is thus far has been Miami at 41. Miami's 41 in the net. Um, so that's a quad two loss at home. Um, you have a quad two loss. That's quad two when Miami was number eight when they were here. They were not. And I don't think they were number eight when they were here. Huh? I don't think they were they top were, ten when they were. When they, they were top ten when we played, I'm, I'm sure. When They're not now, but they were. Not in the net, AP. I still they were a top they were ten team at that high. They, they, what, what Miami I mean? wasn't ranked. It was uh, that was an unranked game. Yeah, because they they were. I think they had lost a couple games before. Like I think they were getting maybe some credit from last year, despite turning over a lot of that team. But I don't think they were. Yeah, they weren't ranked coming into the game. Regardless, uh, they were forty-one in the net. Vanderbilt's a quad two loss at home. Oklahoma's a quad two. I mean, sorry, not Oklahoma. Ole Miss is a quad two win. Tennessee is a quad two loss at home. Um, you have, but you have quad one wins over Florida. Ar- uh, Arkansas is still a quad one win. Um, Belmont is a quad one win. They did. Pl- they played Belmont, right? Yeah, on the road. Yeah, yeah it was on the road. I, I was trying because I know they played Belmont and Chattanooga. You lost Chattanooga. That's a quad two loss. Um, Colorado State. Was it? I think it was a quad one win. They're down to eighty one in the net. That was a true road game, so that's a quad two right now. But Clemson is a quad two win. So like you're kind of fifty fifty against the quad twos. You've got a couple quad ones. It's, it's a little surprising to me that they're down where they're at. But I guess you would argue that only one team in the top forty of the net would be the reason. But still, I would say I, without looking at other resumes around, I feel like they're they still stack up pretty decently well regardless uh it's the sec you do have plenty of opportunities but and we're not going to get into this game considering that it's a full week until they play the women don't have a game this weekend um 
Kentucky, Colton, you kind of mentioned, is a game State cannot afford to lose. Yeah, uh, Kentucky, it is it, kind of like that Vanderbilt game the men had. Not quite as extreme, but a little bit scarier because Kentucky can beat you. It's not it's not like Vanderbilt coming at home where if they if you would be absolutely shocked if you lost. Maybe we wouldn't have been shocked if Vanderbilt had won that game, knowing just poor old Mississippi State kind of mentality that we have. On paper, that would have been a shocking loss. Not quite as bad against Kentucky, especially being on the road, but this Kentucky team, it'll be a while before we play that game. You kind of have this bye week thing that they do in women's basketball in the SEC. They only play 16 games. Uh, they have single-digit wins over East Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, and Lipscomb, and they lost to Austin P, Cincinnati, who is not good, and Florida Gulf Coast, who, to be fair, is good, but you still shouldn't lose that game. Uh, they have won a couple SEC games, Arkansas and Missouri. Missouri's not good either at home. So, again, this is – you cannot sneak – just, you know, try to cruise in there and, and lollygag around and come out with a W. It is an important win or, that you need to get, but you do expect to get it from Mississippi State. I think last I checked, Kentucky is 160th in the net. Yeah, they. I, I double-checked that. They are, in fact, still 160 in the net. We'll talk a little there's, bit more. There's no, there's, this is you cannot help yourself by winning. You can only hurt yourself by losing. It is not the type of game you want on your schedule. We'll talk a little bit more about that game uh, in the later week show. Whenever we recap uh, men men's basketball against Florida, but before we talk about men's basketball, we're going to go ahead and let this be our tennis moment on the show. For those of you who are, we might have to make Dan the Nuno Borges tracker. So for those of you who are like golf fans on golf Twitter, there's a bunch of these random accounts like uh, Speed Tracker. Like everybody's, it's ripping off Tiger Tracker, which was an incredible account who no longer does anything anymore. Um, but like, there's like Speed Tracker, uh, Rory Tracker, Kepka Tracker. Like Dan might have to be a tennis tracker for Nuno Borges. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can I say? Uh, Nuno's gone on a great run, so. Uh, to anybody who uh, has not seen uh, Nuno Borges, last time we talked about him on the show was last Thursday. He had just gotten a big win, top 25 against Spaniard uh, Davinovich of Fokina. Friday night, uh, it was really, really late. It was, uh, he started at 2 in the morning central time. Obviously, it was kind of nighttime out there. But uh, against Grigor Dimitrov, uh, who is ranked 13th in the world. Nuno won it in four sets. Uh, it was a really good match. He he really did control. He didn't uh, have a lot of unforced errors. That's a very important stat in tennis, right? It's just where you uh you you hit it out when when you did it wasn't a difficult shot. Uh, and that that really does kill some uh, momentum for for some of the guys who are unranked like Nuno Borges. He he's he's like number 67 in the world right now. Um, but so he didn't get the number next to his name, but he ended up winning that one biggest win of his career. And he's the four, first Portuguese man to ever make it to the round of 16 at the Australian open. Um, huge hmm. moment. So what does he get in the round of 16? He gets world number three, Daniil Medvedev. Um, and, and he did not beat him. Uh, but what was a pretty great feat Looked like Nuno was going to go down in three sets. In the third set, Nuno won four consecutive games to take the third set from Medvedev, force the fourth set, 
but at that point, uh, just the the sheer talent that Medvedev has, he's able to take it away. This is a big moment for Mississippi State sports in general. So uh, I started watching that one Sunday night. Uh, it was, uh, you know, within a reasonable time to watch. And and so Chris Fowler was the play by play with John McEnroe on ESPN about it. And and during that whole first set, they they were talking about Starkville, Mississippi. They were talking about Mississippi State University, how big of a thing it is to. Uh, t- for a lot of these European young men to come play college rather than go straight pro. Uh, that's a big thing, right? And if you get the name Mississippi State out there to a lot of these uh, European folks who are, you know, like th- these high schoolers who are playing tennis and they're thinking about going pro, but it- what's what it's looking like is it's a better thing for them to come to the United States and play in college and then go pro. Unibord is an example of that right there. Being a, the, the uh, setting himself up to be the greatest Portuguese tennis player ever, um, I couldn't Just say like greatest. I, I couldn't say greatest Portuguese athlete ever. Um, not yet, but it's, maybe, uh, maybe one day he'll be football, kids. These kids need to go to. If I got any European young tennis players listening, I know we're really big in Europe. Uh, go to school. Yeah, come to Mississippi State. Uh, look, back to back SEC titles. Um, really, still one of the most decorated athletes in Mississippi State history. Th- this is a very big deal. Uh, you know, you can make the arguments all about you know, yeah, it's not a revenue producing sport, but but it cr- gets the name Mississippi State throughout the world. It gets it gets the attention. Tennis is is a very popular sport worldwide. Um. You get goofballs like me who watch it in the middle of the night whenever they play in Australia. Uh, we watch pretty late whenever they're in France and and in England. So, uh, it it really was a, uh, a a great performance to get to to witness that. Very proud of Nuno Borges and everything he's given to Mississippi State. So, uh, you'll get your next tennis moment from me uh, when he goes to the French Open. Coming up in June, so we get we get a six month hiatus for now. There we go. Uh, shout out to Nuno Borges, though. Obviously, one of the greatest MSU athletes of all time, and good for him to be uh, showing out on the national international scale. All right, turning it over to men's basketball. They get it done against Vanderbilt at home in an absolute must win game. We talked about this is kind of the last opponent on the schedule. There is no world where you could really overcome a loss. Head of their business, 68 to 55, one point away from being a very nice win. Also, uh, thoughts and prayers to anyone who uh, had 13 or 13 and a half as the spread there before Vanderbilt uh, hit the last second shot. That was uh, brutal for those of you out there if you had state covering this one. Kind of a weird game. State looked really sluggish early. In fact, that was kind of a theme if you were on Twitter during the game, everyone just talking about how slow and just kind of not into it state looked. And Vanderbilt, to their credit, was kind of playing their tails off. They did not like look like a team that had only won five games this season. Like and they were at least putting forth effort, which and it was the bare minimum. But that's a team who easily could have quit at this point. Um, but ultimately, state the talent wins out. You shoot the ball better. Uh, Vanderbilt shoots thirty eight percent of the game. You shoot forty three. Certainly not great. But you did have the edge. Twenty nine percent from three for state. They go six of twenty one. Five of twenty two. So twenty eight percent for um, Vandy. Free throw shooting was bad on both accounts, which that continues to be a problem for Mississippi State. State's only 12 of 22 from the line. Uh, a lot of that was Tobu Smith having a rough day at the line, but I think he made five of his last six. So I guess you'll give him credit there, but still 
It was like five of his last six or four of his last five, something like that, and he was 7 of 13 overall. Can't really complain too much about Tolu Smith, though, because he dominated in the way that you would expect him to. This was a Vanderbilt team that just did not have a lot of size in the post. State took advantage, 25 and 11 for Tolu. Uh, State on the day is able to out-rebound the doors, 45 to 33, and you have a 12 to 6 advantage on the second-chance points. Um, It's a good day for DJ Jeffries. He gets into double figures, has 10 points and six rebounds. It was a good shooting day for him as well, 4 of 7 overall. Uh, Knocked down a couple of three-pointers. Josh Hubbard had a, a decent bit of a bounce-back performance after a down game against Kentucky. He gets 11 points for him on 4 of 11 shooting. Um, Trey Fort gave you good minutes, 6 points for him on a couple of three-pointers, but he looks good off the bench, and I think that's a couple games in a row now where we've talked about you, what you're missing with Andrew Taylor just not really being a part of the team. You have to have somebody else that can step up and give you some minutes uh, as a shooter out there, and Trey Fort was able to provide that for you. But, you know, not – not the complete domination. Colton was talking about with the women's team how it felt like there were several instances where they could have just taken control of the game and didn't let it happen. Yet a little bit of this in this game. Um, State on a few occasions had built the lead out quite a bit, but in the second half, Vanderbilt has some moments where they looked like like it felt like State could have turned this into like a thirty point blowout, and Vanderbilt was able to make it you know interesting and kind of keep it a game. Um, I, I say keep it a game. It was never fully in danger, but. State had never fully put them away in the way that you would have liked. And that was kind of the only thing that was frustrating for me with the performance is not, you know, winning by 13 against a bad team, you know, whatever. That's fine. It was that you didn't look like you played that great. Um, You know, some people were talking about it from a net standpoint. You would like a bigger blowout because it could help your net more. I'm still a little confused about how much the net, is like if it's still there used to be a very arbitrary cutoff right at 10 points where if you won by double digits good for you like that's that's as much as it's going to factor margin of victory in because basically they just didn't want um blow like games that got completely out of hand to really skew things i don't know if that's changed or not again the margin is is whatever state won the game and they kind of won easily it's you would have liked to have seen more consistent play now with that being said there was a moment where State really did flip a switch over the back half of the first half. Vanderbilt, they make a free throw with 12.54 to go in the first half to go up 12 to 10. They do not score again until 6.36 on the clock, over six minutes of game time, and they make it a 24 to 14 lead. State had gone on a, a run there. But the, here's the thing they hadn't made a field goal since 15.14. Like, they're. So they admit they missed their next 10 shots after hitting a field goal of 15-14, just four points off of a couple of some free throws in about a nine-minute span. Like, that was as good as you could ask for. Now, some of that is Vanderbilt is just not a good shooting team. They had looks. They just couldn't knock them down. But State's defense did play better in that run. Um, and, and just continue this. Vanderbilt hits a three at 5.07 in the first half to make it 24-17. They don't score again until there's 52 seconds left to make it 33-19. to um, that time they only missed five shots in a row, so I guess good for them. Um, I, I thought State was going to hold them under 20 in the first half, and they ended up having 21 at halftime. Uh, but, like, State pushed the lead up to 19 early in the second half, and then they had it to 18 at one point. Vandy goes on a few runs, kind of like I talked about, to make it look a little bit closer than maybe it needed to be, but it never got below double digits. The closest it got was to 10. So if we're nitpicking here, and I think we're nitpicking just because we've kind of seen this team has been a bit sloppy, so far to this point. Otherwise, you wouldn't really have much to say about this game. 
but stay in hand of their business the way you need them to. Yeah. Whoever it's, it's wants a, to go. <laughs> I guess I'll go here. It, you know, yeah, you have some of these moments that the team is looking pretty solid. Um, obviously, the free throw – I was I was gonna make a point that you know yeah the free throws are a problem but really you know if you take Tolu Smith's numbers out of it um, it does slightly improve I mean uh, Josh, Josh Hubbard was one of four from the he, free throw line yeah that 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 was a bit abnormal I'll say um, I hope I, that's I, just I hope he's not catching what everyone else has because if he's yeah. missing them that's yeah I mean yeah. I actually I. I Retract my statement because he was one of three. Was rather, everyone was bad. Uh, well, Shaq Moore was besides, besides Shaquille Moore. It was just not a great day from the free throw line. Shaquille, good job, buddy. Uh, the rest of you get it together. I don't know. I, it's yeah. Hey, I was only two for three from the free throw line tonight in my intramural game, so I can't really talk. Well, you had a better percentage than this team. Um, I did get hacked on a three though. Like, I got – it was audible. It was like, hmm. Well, I didn't miss any shots at my game tonight, but that's because I didn't have a game tonight. So, can't miss any shots you don't take. So, I'm, I'm, at, right. I'm at a point where I don't miss shots. No, I get, to, I get, to, shot I get to criticize. Take. I get to criticize those who do take the shots. That's how it works in this world. Anyway, so we, uh, before we get I too out of hand. I did want to add, you know, State really does kind of miss, especially I thought against Kentucky, you kind of miss Andrew Taylor and Keyshawn Murphy. Now, the report was, I say report, everybody saw it with their own eyes, uh, that Keyshawn was with the team in, in street clothes but dressed out, or she's not dressed out, but on the bench Saturday. Um, he was in the gym at least. We still don't know about Andrew Taylor. And I know some people, everybody's speculating that that's about selfish or money or something. And just please stop. It very well might be. But, like, if it is, it's not worth talking about. But you need both of those guys on the court. If 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 Cam Matthews is going to be on the bench for foul trouble or just to rest because he can't play 40 minutes a game, you want to put somebody in there that has a little bit of experience, that can handle themselves, and that can, and can stretch the floor a little bit for you while you're at it, which is what Murphy can do. And Andrew Taylor, I mean – Josh Hubbard had a mid, a pretty mid game Saturday and a very poor game against Kentucky. You want another shooter that you can put out there, and he has not been nearly what he was billed to be for Mississippi State. Him turning turning things around if he could work his way back, which I don't know if that's even the expectation right now, would be big. Uh, right now, I think if you're a betting person, you would put it on, you would put money on Keyshawn to be back sooner rather than later. And I don't know about Taylor, but hopefully. You get one, if not both of those guys back, and that can kind of change things for you a little bit. They don't have the free throw bug. Well, I, I would say, and I've ha- I've had this thought some. I know Andrew Taylor was the big addition in the offseason, and I, we talked highly about him because everything's pointed to that being the guy who was really going to change his team. The guy to me that they're missing more, though, is Murphy J- because of what you talked about. Oh, yeah, when you sure. do, when, when Cam Matthews is not on the court, you do not have an answer out there that's just, like, no offense, Jaquan Scott. I, I I know. Hopefully, he comes comes along. But right now, he's not ready. And you, you gotta do, have you, you gotta have size and a, and a presence 
when there's a center on the floor that's going to draw attention, whether it's Tolu or Bell, they're going to draw attention, not only because they're huge, but because both can score. Jimmy Bell has proven that he's a threat. You can't let whoever is else is playing kind of the paint role, the high post, you can't let that dude just be allowed to suck into the to the low post with no consequences. You need Cam Matthews there. Cam Matthews can make the extra pass, get somebody open. He can finish around the rim. He can take one dribble from the top of the key and dunk it because he's very athletic and quick and strong. Uh, you, that is that is huge. Now, Keyshawn Murphy is different, but si- size-wise, shooting-wise, you still have to have to watch out for him if you're trying to help in the post. You can't just if you leave, just leave him alone. It's not going to be good for anybody you know, on on the other team. That is, it, it's huge to have to have that. And if you're if Jaquan Scott is that guy, like right now, I mean, obviously he's a true freshman. It's just not working uh, against Kentucky. It was pretty bad. Um, not power to him. I mean, he's a true freshman out. He, I, well, true I freshman is not, not one of the most highly recruited guys that we signed. I don't think Scott's a JUCO. I think. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah, still new. And my thing, though, is it's literally as simple as this. Last year, this team had zero shooters and was able to get to the tournament because of how good they were on defense. And you had enough guys that could come off the bench and still, like, back then, you know, it was Will McNair. But you did have Keyshawn Murphy contributing to, in, in, in that way last year. This year, at the very least, you've added Josh Hubbard. Trey Fork can occasionally give you something. But even if you're not getting the shooting, you you need to have the defense. You got to have the defense with this team because, uh, you know, ultimately there's not enough shooting for them to not have the defense. And that's where Murphy's the bigger loss. Um, but nonetheless, State's able to get the win. And well, Murphy now wasn't just- a great defender last year, but this year he's he's more than adequate and better than any of these other guys we've been talking about that's having to come off the bench. Certainly. Uh, you get a win you absolutely had to have. Now's a win that you don't have to have, but you kind of want to be able to get it. You travel to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. Florida is 12-6 and six on the season. They're off to an identical 2-3 and three start in the SEC, as Mississippi State is. This is a Gator team that is 45th in the net, uh, 38th in Ken Palm, so they're rated around this. I think MSU is 35 in Ken Palm, so they see these as very similar teams. Um, good offensive team, 25th rated uh, in Ken Palm. 74th defensively, they're not great there, but this is a team that does play with a lot of pace. 18th in adjusted tempo. So you're going to see more possessions in this team. It's very similar to the women's team, uh, both in terms of where they're at in their rankings and their pace, better offense than defense. It's very bizarre that you get these on the schedule back to back. Yeah. Um, Florida team that, I mean, they're scoring close to 85 points a game, but they're giving up 76. So, you know, the offense is there. They score a lot. It's just defensively, they, they haven't really been great. It's interesting. You, you look at their, their season. They're undefeated against squads two through four. They're 0-6 versus squad one. Um, they, they, and they had the same problem last year. Last year, they ended up finishing 500 last year, so it didn't matter. But last season, Florida was on the bubble all the way up until, like, March because it's like, well, they haven't lost to a like, – they did have a quad three loss at home to Vanderbilt. But outside of that, they had a good strength of schedule. They, they were in competitive in games. They hadn't taken the bad losses. They're like, if they could just get some good wins, they can get in this thing. And they just never got it. They're kind of in that same range this year right now. Um, and, I mean, you look at SEC play. Like, they let an opportunity slip by against Kentucky at home. They really should have won that game. They were never in it with either Ole Miss or Tennessee, those games for blowouts. 
but in the in the non-conference, uh, they could have beaten Virginia, which that's a win that would be that's a game that's getting less impressive as the season has gone along. But that could have been a you know a decent win for them. It would still be a quad one win. Um, they just they they've let some opportunities slip by them, uh, and because of that reason, they're not currently projected as a tournament team. Ninth team out for the bracket matrix, uh, but again, the SEC presents you with plenty of opportunities to get back into it. Uh, looking at the Gators um, so far on the season, o- offensively, it's kind of, it, it, they're an interesting team in that they're guard driven in terms of like how they're going to score, but so much of what they do still goes through their, goes through their bigs in that they're like the best rebounding team in the country. And they're like the best, one of the best offensive rebounds. I think they're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Like Walter Clayton, Zion Pullen, Will Richard, and then a guy familiar name, Riley Kugel coming off the bench. Those are all guys who are double-digit scorers at at guard who are going to – it's not a ton of pull-up shots. Like, they're not a great three – they're an okay three-point shooting team, but they're not incredible. It, it's a lot of two-point shots, and it's a, but it's a lot of having – it's not really mid-range. So it's a lot of those guys driving to the basket, trying to get free throw opportunities. But what they excel at is their bigs are just there to clean it up. Tyrese Samuel, uh, Michael Handblogton, a 7-1 center. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Don't, don't they have like three? Don't they have like three or four starters running six ten? It's two starters that are six ten plus, and then you got a kid off the bench, Alex Condon, who is six eleven. Um, yeah, Samuel they're, is six ten. Yeah, Condon is six eleven, and then Handlogging is seven one. Um, so those three guys, like again, like I say that, like Samuel is averaging close to like fifteen points a game. Um, no, close to fourteen. But, again, it's not necessarily that they're doing a ton of, like, get the ball down to the low post, like what you see with Mississippi State, where it's get it to Tolo Smith, let him go to work. It's more those guys are just going to be there to get, like, if they miss a layup, it's offensive rebound put back. And it's that kind of all throughout the game. Now, I mentioned they get to the free throw line a lot. They're similar to Mississippi State. They're not good from the free throw line. They are one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country. It's weird. Like, they play a style of ball that is kind of predicated on get opportunities to get to the line, and they waste them. It's a big. It's part of why they lost to Kentucky. They won't waste them against us. You know they won't. <laughs> you kind of know that they won't. We'll shoot twenty three for twenty five. I promise you. Um, but I mean, like that's so much. Like their offense, they can hit threes, but they're not. And, and they sh- they're an average free th- three shooting team. But really, what they want to do is they want to drive for the basket. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they're incredible. They're they are so weird. This is such a weird team in that they have these bigs and they're dominant at defending or not dominant defending. They're dominant at going up and rebound. And yet they have, they're like the worst two point defending team in the SEC or something like that on the season. Like you, you can attack those guys and it's not like you can really fully bully them. And some of it is a lot of contested looks, but you can, again, you, you look at a guy like Joseph Adu. At uh, or Jonas Adu, Tennessee was able to like have a big day with him. Just get the ball down low to him and let him go to work. You kind of feel like Tolu Smith is going to have some opportunities here. Um, they're and, now they're fantastic. There, there is that little bit of now better game in the tournament last year. And this tournament, forget you forget this is the opponent that totally got benched against last year. Yes, yes. Maybe some. Maybe he's he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for this game. Uh, that was versus Colin Castleman, I believe, was, was their big yeah. guy who's not there anymore. Um, well, they're, now they're great at defending the three ball, which for Mississippi State, you know, that's 
kind of sure go ahead. whatever <laughs> like we're not we're not a good three point shooting team as it is um but you get the you can get those looks at, at the rim and they will foul you a lot and let you get to the free throw line um which Florida, Florida is also a team I watched their entire game against Ole Miss I question their mental fortitude um my coach would say testis- testicular fortitude sorry for any children listening that's a four syllable word just don't even think about it um, Ole Miss had a trillion block shots against Florida. It was insane. Yeah. Florida continued to go up weak, soft, and scared to the rim. And I'm not trying to take away stuff from Ole Miss because they did were all over it and they defended the rim well, protected the rim well. But my goodness, if I had a nickel for every time that you could have gone up strong and gotten fouled, taking a low percentage layup, but gotten fouled instead of just trying to float something up soft, I, I could have gone and probably bought Florida University or the University of Florida. It was insane. But if you can get in their head, if Jimmy Bell, Tolu Smith, uh, Cam Matthews, for, for that matter, can defend the rim a few times and, and make them be timid, I don't know if that'll happen for, for us. That might have been a one-time thing. But they were very, very ginger and just timid at the rim against Ole Miss. It was, it was kind of pathetic. We only had a couple minutes left here, but just real quick, I would say keys to the game: offensive rebounding. Um, they are they are as good as they again. They are probably the best team in the country when it comes to offensive rebounding. That's where they get a ton of their points from is on those putbacks and second chance points. State obviously is a team that has had a lot of success doing that most of the year. Um, in the games where teams have been able, like Tennessee had, was able to take advantage of, uh, and not let them win in that category. State, you have to find that advantage there. I would also say what do these teams can find the perimeter offense? And, you know, they're somewhat better from three to this point. But if I think in a game where both teams are going to shoot a lot of the twos, who can, you know, find those three balls to make a little bit of difference? And then the last big thing, honestly, who shoots free throws better probably wins this game. Neither team is good at the free – both teams get to the free throw line a lot, and neither team is good at hitting. So who takes advantage of those opportunities? And I think those are going to be the biggest keys to the game along with, of course, testicular fortitude. That is the most important key. Uh, but, look, a big opportunity for State going on the road. Quad one opportunity, taking, if you can take down the Gators. Um, not the end of the world if you can't get it, but a game that you kind of feel like you need to. Um, so we'll be back to recap that, ga- that game later in the week. We'll talk whatever happens, and then we'll preview massive home game for Mississippi State when they take on, against, take on an Auburn team that's playing as well as anybody in the country. Chance at a huge upset at home. That'll do it for us today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Dan and Colton for hopping on. As always, swing your sword and hail state.